like scary stories, if you like tasty beers, open up your mouth holes and open up your ears for... Us guys. You guys. Use guys. Mm-hmm. We have talked. I don't know if we, I'm sure we've talked about Finger it banging. Yeah. I got there. I got there. Yeah. I did say there would probably be finger banging in this week's Finger episode. banging, two in a row. <sighs> Not talking about finger banging. So on Finger show, banging both those holes. I feel like we've talked about our love of crows and wanting to train them to like do things for us yes 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 my animal minions you're here for it yes so i have another animal a bird another bird to add to this list there was a I love study it. done in sydney um australia australia and noticed that cockatoos are training each other are teaching each other are training, training each other to open trash bin lids and take shit out of the garbage oh my god so cockatoos are now the raccoons are the trash panda of the bird world. Yes. Wait, imagine they, if trash pandas could fly. They are, and, and they're just, you know. Are they working together? Yes. Yeah, they did a study on trash day, and they studied how many cockatoos have learned the trick. Residents in three Sydney suburbs found that the birds were lifting bins in 44 different suburbs. So Humans! they were like working together. Humans listening to this podcast, hear me. They say that the thing that brought man from being a simple primate to the th to the to the creature controlling the world is our ability to work together. These birds are learning to cooperate in order to maintain supremacy over this world. We must kill all birds. I'm going to take it a step further. Whoa. I think that all those billionaires out there got us worried about AI and the singularity when really the big threat this whole time Are has the been the motherfucking birds. birds. I don't like birds. I've never liked birds. And I've known I was right. Yeah. Now oh my, I know all my, my suspicions were truly founded <laughs> in truth. Wow. I was recently sent a uh, Instagram account called uh, All Birds Are Fake, yeah. which is about how birds, birds, yes, are, birds are fake. Died off like a hundred years ago, and yes. now they're all just government drones. Yeah, they've yes. been replaced by drones. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's and there a was there was an event, and like a hundred people went to oh it, and there all these signs are like birds aren't real. Oh my god, I love it. But, but these birds so are real. So now the drones, how, maybe it is AI in the singularity. Oh, it's all coming together. Oh my god! Oh my god. Bob, I smell your next Bob Spiracy episode. Yeah, this is birds like a. It, it, it's like a. It's a, uh, a. A confluence of a bunch of different conspiracy theories, which I love. Yeah. Well, and if you're wondering why cockatoos have the ability, yes, while their brain is the size of a walnut, they, the density of neurons give them the cognitive ability similar to great apes. It's a so, dense ass brain. It's a dense ass brain that can like make it's a, a lot of connections. It's a brain that weighs 58 pounds full yes, of neurons. Full of neurons. Just chucked, just, just finger blasted full of neurons. Yeah, that's right. Finger Gushing. blasted? Just gooshing neurons out of Just that hole. Gooshy brain neurons. All on mm. that lawn. Up in that co-op. Taut nubile neurons. So anyway, uh, watch out for cockatoos now too because crows are smart enough to figure shit out. Them motherfuckers are going to steal your paycheck. They're going to, this is, birds are taking over. I think the next step is the birds are going to stop breaking into the rubbish bins, mm -hmm. start breaking into the recycling bins, oh. start amassing wealth. Wealth. Yes. Hire the other birds. Start bird capitalism. We're now not, we're concerned. Oh my god! They're gonna start breaking in to your ATM machines. Yep. Stealing all your bank account information. It's just ATM. It's just ATM. No, it's ATM the machine. M stands for automatic me. teller machine. Machine. It dispenses other ATMs. I'm gonna, dumbass. I'm gonna throw in a regionalist joke. It's a time machine. Okay, let's just have it be a fucking time machine. Oh, yeah. You're probably like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. People from Wisconsin know. The Midwesterners know. That the former ATMs were TYME time machines because that was the name of the manufacturer who made yep. it. So they became time machines. So anyway, Regional humor. Time machine. ATM machine. Bubbler. The best jokes are the jokes you have to regionally explain. I love them. 
I know. I can just tell that you thought that joke was so funny because I can see you laughing. Um, <laughs> yes, over the thing. So anyway, watch out. I'm just over here plotting how I'm going to like get appeal in with the birds. to my cockatoo yeah. overlords. Yeah, we do have to figure out now how to like appeal to the the birds. Like how yeah. to show that you are a friend to the I birds. I am deep in work befriending the birds. You are. I mean, you have. Bird feeders, they're uh-huh. not, you know what they're I've got bird left. fever. I've been finger blasting birds left and right. I'm an international bird lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to kill you two last. So, just so you know. Bring your cloacas to my balcony, birds. I know. I'm befriending all the birds. I'm good. I know how to please a bird sexually. <laughs> sexually. God. <laughs> my God. But you know what? I'm, no, I'm I know even... how to please a bird culinarily. You know, I know how to please a bird sexually. You know, I'm fine with this division of labor. Ah. You, you suck off the birds and I'll just feed them. That's fine by I'm me. Suck these That's birds dry. <laughs> I have nothing. I'm gonna gargle these birds' balls. I got nothing. Melly is so <laughs> done with us. She's so done with us. Well, I'm like, how do I transition from that into the high? It's not Do you like to eat bird balls? No, then you should probably go indoors. Good thing you have a house. Haunted houses. I did it. We didn't even hide, though. If you like, speaking of. She is so mad. Speaking of guzzling birds. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Booze and Brews and Guzzling Birds podcast. We are the podcast where we tell each other ghost stories. We drink thematically appropriate beer. And I'm the best at transitions. You really, you really are the best at transitions. Pre, premature transitions. I'm the best at transitions. Melly's the best at being annoyed. And Bob is the best at, at gargling at bird gargling balls. gargling bird balls. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm fine with this division of labor. We've all got our specialties you know on if, this if show. My, if my task is to just be disappointed, whew, man, I've been doing it for years. <laughs> I said annoyed, not disappointed. Oh. Well, that's yeah, wow. Geez. You know what? Way to hit me right where it hurts. <laughs> I'm disappointed in both of you. <laughs> Mom's mom's upset. Mom's disappointed. I ain't stopping. So no, as Tuna prematurely ejaculated, this week we are doing haunted houses. Yeah. So the reason, I came right on time. Time is an Illuminati construct. So the reason we're doing haunted houses is not because of any sort of bird connection. Um, it's because of this beer. Um, we are doing this week the Black House Vanilla Latte Edition from Modern Times Brewing Company. Mm. So Black and now House, that Black House is a great beer on its own. Yep. Yes. You add some vanilla latte. Boy, howdy! Wait till the end of this episode it's, where we talk about it. It's so good. It's so, anyway, so good. Um, yes, that is why we selected houses. Black House, ghost living houses. Houses full of black, evilly, ghost- demonic entities. And it is. And so that is what we're talking about. We can make a psychomantia out of these mirrors. That's right. Tell me more about mirrors. We'll put it in a drawer. Yes. (laughs) Just I'm going to stick this ghost in a drawer and then I'm going to give it a mirror to look at. No. So this week, my haunted house uh, is, Bob, are you excited? Love it. Is Akershus Fortress. Yeah! I know. When Melly told me, I was like, how is that a place? How have we never done it before? I know. And then she was like, have we done it? And I was like, absolutely not. Nope. I would have remembered. Professor Ocker Shoes Fortress. For those That's of you who... one episode Bob would have remembered if yeah. we did a place called Ocker Shoes. Yeah, for Ocker-shoes, those of you yeah. who don't know, when we occasionally play Dungeons and Dragons, I have a uh, wizard named Professor Ocker Shoes. So there you go. As it turns out. Now you know why I'm so excited. It's an actual yeah. name and of an actual like, place. He sounds a little bit like television Scott Bakula, but middle... But, uh, uh, Eastern European. Hello, it's me, television Scott Bakula. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's years, this this joke. Still there. Wow. You can call him up in a second. On, On her birthday. Anytime. Charles Congo. <laughs> anytime. Just just all throwbacks. All throwbacks. Day or night. All throwbacks. Television My daughter's tits. Scott Bakula. I'm burned. <laughs> I was born into it. Um, I think of all, oh, she just wants to dance. dance. 
Sheep sized faceless fart man. Let's go well, all the way back oh to the fucking God, beginning, baby. Sheep sized faceless fart man. I want to drink Chinese rocket fuel and piss, piss on, on you. you. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I want to drink. Sh- <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about that one. I had blocked that one out. I had blocked that completely out. Who wants to be pissed that was on? Hel- that was a healthy choice I made for myself. Wait, Chinese rocket fuel. No. So Akershus Fortress, or Akershus Festning, if we're speaking it in its native language, is a super-duper old medieval castle in Oslo, Norway. Yep. Norway? Yep. So your character should have been Norwegian. No, he's television Scott Bakula from the Eastern Bloc. Okay. It was built by King Hakon. He's the Kremlin Scott Bakula. (laughs) Uh, It was built by King Hakon V, the number two son of Magnus the Lawmender. Um, and fun the fact, law mender. He, Lawmender. Lend, he mended those laws. Fun fact: Got Mag- a law He's broken. also an international bird lawyer. He is an international bird lawyer. No, the fun fact about Magnus is that he got his name because it was his mission during his kingship to modernize Norwegian law, sort of you know okay. unify it, monif- specifically uh, Norwegian bird law, specifically yeah. bird law, um, which he accomplished in 1274 at a meeting called the Thing. Um, the thing the thing uh it was a group of regular people decided yeah we'll adopt your laws and that is how magnus the law mender mended the law bird law mm-hmm. in norway it's just they went to a thing they went to the thing regular joe's were like yeah, you're fine. gonna go to the thing yeah i'm gonna go to the thing i don't know he's are you talking cool about, about having all of these laws be applied to all of us yeah, it's fine so they there just picked the most basic bitch of laws that Pick everyone them. would agree to yeah and they were like, cool, but it applies to everybody across the board within Norway. What Look about if we decided Modern. not to kill each other? That sounds good. That sounds good. Okay, that will be one no, of the laws. No, I'm not liar. I want to kill everyone. Nope, you, can, you, can't, you can't do it anymore. Sorry. All right. Well, I tried. All right. We all agree. That's the what one law. What about these international bird laws? <laughs> so Hack on the Fifth became king. Can I kill the pigeons? How come the birds get to kill each other then, Magnus? <laughs> That's just bird law. That's bird law. How many birds can I kill? Bird law does not apply to man. Any bird that comes upon your longhouse. (laughs) It's called a stand your longhouse law. (laughs) Any bird that comes onto your property, you can legally shoot them. (laughs) Speak some up, blow out. (laughs) This is like Sky... No, sorry. Assassin's Creed meets bird law. It's beautiful. Hack on the fifth. Hunting brew me, Anyway, he became king after Welcome his older brother died without an heir in 1299. I'm sworn to carry your burdens. <laughs> I'm so glad Bob hadn't finished that sip because he was gonna Fucking spit it out. Lydia. It's how pissed she is about it. Oh God. <laughs> Carry your burdens. So around the same time that Hakon ascended to the throne, he began construction on the castle. Its primary purpose was to serve as protection from attacks by other Norwegians who were looking for power. <laughs> by birds that you could legally shoot. Yeah. It has, look. Norwegian birds of these motherfuckers out here shooting but us. Those birds Anytime I take a shit on this longhouse. These birds Uzi's. refuse to comply with our new laws. Everybody <laughs> said they were cool. Yeah. Fuck you, birds! But over the next few years, after construction, post-construction of this, you know, kind of castle for birds, um, the primary purpose moved so that it was more of a house and less of a fortress. Mm. Even though it really wasn't suitable for people living there, Hakon was like, "But I like it here," and so he just like, "But I like it. But I like to say it's got such a good dungeon. It's the dungeon. It's got good." It's got good flow. It really does. It just, it feels like home. And so, yeah, who cares if I have to sleep on a pile of hay on the floor and deal with birds trying to shit on my head all day? It just feels Yeah, I mean, when you're king, your house is wherever you say your house is. Exactly. And he loved this fortress so much that it is now the palace, kind of, for the king. And it was because of this love that the capital of Norway slowly moved from Bergen to Oslo. It was because of Hack on the Fifth. Fun. Um, because of these goddamn murderous birds. Right? All and because that's of how birds. birds change the capital of Norway. Yes. It's fact now. <clears throat> uh, after Hakon's death, his successors uh, all used Akershus as their house until about 1370. Does it say why they called it Akershus? No. It's just a just, cool name. Just a great name. It's it's like really it doesn't great. mean anything? No. 
House of Bird Murder. It means House of Bird Murder Fortress. Okay, it does now. That's. I mean, that is what Akershus means now. Um, there have been. I now like to think that Professor Akershus, Bob's character, got all of his power by murdering birds, and he like carried those souls of the birds around and then released them as spells. Ooh. This is way better than the backstory I came <laughs> up with. This is uh, Professor Akershus' new backstory. You're a bird serial killer. I yes. fucking love it. You harvest the souls of birds you have murdered, and that is your power. That is, I, I mean, I watched that we, series. On. We, we were, that was a rough party because all Yulia did was kill wolves and rip off skins. Yeah, and I was a dummy again, once again, real dumb. <laughs> They're fun characters to play. Yeah. Um. So over the years, there have been many attempted sieges on Akershus, and most of them were by the Swedes. Um, oh, fuck you. But the you fortress- fuck you and your fish. That's why the fish, the fish they ganged up on the bird. Oh my god! So the Swedes were were allies with the fish, and the Norwegians had to somehow become allies with the birds, and it was fish bird war. That's it. Akershus yeah. means the fortified house of Acker. There you go. Fortified house of Acker. There you go. I think it means Wh- the house of bird murder. Which makes yeah. sense because Professor Akershus was an abjuration wizard fo- focusing primarily on protective magics. <laughs> Mom is so happy right now. Oh That's a, that is you a true story. That's a real thing. <laughs> That's his real character. So anyway, but the fortress and the people of Norway prevailed. And sometimes they prevailed through unconventional means. Um, in 1523 and in 1567, in order to drive the invading Swedes away from the city and away from Akershus, they the, put them in a lift, no, drove they, them away? No, <laughs> the people of Oslo just burned the city to the ground. They shipped them to Orange County. <laughs> They're like, hey, we pissed all over everything. You still want it? Be like, it's burned. What the <laughs> fuck do you want? Do you want this? Do you want my sh- a burned husk of a city? No. So they left. So they just burned the city to the ground. That is such like a toddler thing to do. Like, oh, you want my juice? I pour all the juice on the ground. Can't have the juice now. Take the juice. Yeah. And then thus would begin then the long reconstruction process because now they have to rebuild the entire city. I mean, I guess they didn't lose any of their like gold or people, though. Yeah. Yeah. Buildings can be rebuilt. I mean, it's. There are flaws in this logic, but the logic is there. Like, I get why you did it. It's like, okay, if you even got into it, you can't use our people or our resources as, like, your dudes. Fuck off. So, I get it. I wouldn't have done it, but I get it. Uh, yeah. It's not the move I would have pulled, but... Right, right. Um, And after... So... In 1624, though, there was an on not on purpose fire that destroyed most of the city. Oh. Um, so this one wasn't in 1624. Yes, massive fire, city burned to the ground once again. But this was not on purpose, and so people felt it a little bit more. And they so, were like, "Oopsie doodle." That one, we tempted fate. Yeah, that one. That one hurt me deep. So at that point, King Christian IV decided, "I don't like Oslo here. I want it closer to Akershus. So we're just gonna move the city." Is that cool? Cool. Y'all I cool? mean, if there wasn't any city left, yeah. you rebuild wherever. Right. And so he said, come with me if you want to live Norwegians, in Oslo. Norwegians, pioneers here. of the mobile home. Yeah, exactly. They were just like, well, I, I got nothing Let's get here. mobile with these homes. That's what they were like. Uh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, then, so once they moved the city of Oslo closer to Akershus, King Christian IV then updated, renovated the fortress, made it very much more palacy like added some ship lap. Got in oh, some, brought everything up to code. Brought everything up to code, so it was more palatial versus fortressy. So he did what Hawkins should have done. So instead of okay. Hawkins just sleeping on the floor, this guy was like, "I'm gonna put some beds in here." I think Hawkins liked to sleep on the floor. Yeah, most likely. It's good for your back. It, no, it, it is. It literally is. It doesn't. But it. But my bum hurts. Quit whining. That day I slept on your floor of your apartment. My shoulder hurt for like a week. Oh my god! But how did your back it, feel? That Amazing. everyone was so drunk that no one slept in the bed. Yes. No one slept in the bed because I was like, it's Vanessa's bed. She can sleep in it. So I passed out on the floor and then I woke up and I'm like, my shoulder. Listeners, we were much younger back then, but I woke up to find, I think, six people sleeping on my floor and no one sleeping in my bed. I slept on the couch. Yes. You at least least were smart and found pillows. And I slept on the couch. Oh my God. So dumb. I want to be young again. I know, right? So, at- oh my god, I went to Disneyland after that. Yeah, the next I day, I went to band practice and almost vomited on the drive. 
Yep. When I my car to... came to a stop. Anytime I had to brake, I almost puked. I went to Disneyland and then had margaritas. But that's one way to cure a hangover. Is You're a booze. fucking yeah. maniac. <laughs> I, I did almost throw up on Dumbo. I came home and I passed out again. And I think I oh, slept. Oh, that was a good party, Lord. guys. Oh, my God. That was so long ago. That was so long ago. So anyway, at some point, and I'm not really sure when, and Wikipedia didn't tell me when, Ocker Shoes stopped being a palace. Um, and I'm also not sure if that happened before or after the fortress was used as a prison. Okay. So they built another palace? Yeah. So they there is another so palace he made that's like the, closest he made by. The f- so he made the fortress palacey, yep. and then he moved into a different palace. Well, at some point, I don't know, because now we're about in the 1800s, like 1700s, oh, okay. 1800s. So we fast forwarded a little bit. Exactly. Okay. So a little bit of time. I'm not exactly sure how long. Like if Christian V was like, I don't want to live here. How many Christians were there in between? 75 million Christians. Yeah, that's a lot All of Christians. The goddamn Christians. So many. So um, the prison was, or sorry, the fortress then became more fortressy again, and it had a prison. And here, the crown housed rebels political opponents, and regular run-of-the-mill criminals. Um, but what makes this prison a little extra special in the not-good way is that the Norwegians would um, rent... They they had a system called... Rent? They would have a system called the slavery, where they would rent out the criminals... The slavery? The slavery. They like to put the in front of stuff. The, the thing. It's the slavery. The slavery. <laughs> uh, the bird would, murder. Where they would rent out prisoners to just people around town who needed labor. They, the city, or the the crown would accept money for their free labor. Cool. Okay, I mean, lots of other places make prisoners do labor for the city. So, oh no, 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 the outsourcing. The prisoners get no money though. No, no, no. But yeah. like we used to do that before we started paying prisoners here. Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah, just yeah. made them make license plates, and then we had license plates. Right. So that's kind of what they were. But it was like, oh, you know, Ocker Shoes, uh, the the land next door needs tilling. Go, and they would rent them out. Fun. Um, fun. Fun. Love it. Um, and some famous Norwegian prisoners included author and professional thiefsman Geist Bardzen. Sure, him. Yep, him. The uh, Robin This is Hood. a famous man? Yeah. He, he was known as just being a petty thief who then was an escape artist. So he escaped like 11 times from every prison that he went to. And then he became an author once inside the prison and his biggest most well-known work is about the robin hood of norway a man named ole orle hoyland who also lived in ocker shoes and he would as the robin hood would steal from the rich i thought he was gonna like known for his famous works how to escape from prisons for dummies no no (laughs) he he wrote about uh ollie and and his escapades because ollie also escaped from ocker shoes a bunch of times so he, as a man who escaped from prison a bunch, wrote about a different man who escaped from prison a bunch. Correct. Yes. Fun. Fun. I mean, what else is there to do in Norway? Write what you know. Exactly. You know? Go skiing. Um, and they also uh, housed socialist supporters of Marcus Thrain, leader of the country's first labor movement. Hell yeah. Oh. Yeah. Seize the means of production. Right. In 1940, uh, the Nazis attacked Norway who had been neutral up until that point. They were just like, we're not getting involved in any of your shit, but the Nazis... Nazis, are you birds? No, we have no quarrel with you. Yes. Mm. But anyways, the Nazis were like, well, fuck yourself. You've got ports and we've got boats. We need your land. And so they just unprovoked attacked Norway. Norway was not Little did we know that Hitler thought birds were the master race and that was what they were making human bird chimeras. That's that's what they were doing in all those They don't never talk about it. Now you know. Places. Um, so anyway, the Norwegians surrendered, I think it, the battle, cause it was unprovoked. I think they only lasted like two months before they had to surrender. And when they did, so they turned the fortress over to the Nazis who used that to imprison and murder members of the Pele resistance group or the, you know, sort of movement, uh, in people Norway. who didn't like Nazis. Yeah. The anti-Nazi people, the anti-Nazis. Yeah. Uh, when the fortress was liberated in 1945, the Norwegian resistance executed traitors inside the fortress. Hell yeah. That's right. Get them. said, take it. Chop off your head. Feed it chop, to the chop. birds. That was the one time. That's the it. Birds, That's, the birds that, and the Norwegians. That ended they were the, the bird Norway but war. <laughs> they knew they had a common enemy in the Nazis. And so, you know, they the really thousand had year war. Everybody hates Nazis. Everybody hates Nazis. Yep. Most everybody hates Nazis. Uh, today, the fortress is open for tours. 
Fun. Uh, it includes an armed forces museum, a resistance museum, and the mausoleum has the remains of King Hack on the fifth and members of his family. Fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, it is also used as the prime minister's office since 2011. Um, after their terrorist attack on July 22nd, 2011, the government moved the office to the fortress so that it could be better protected. Oh, okay. So yeah. it is still pr- a protecty place. Still it pretty is protective. a protecty place. It's huge. I think they said it's the size of 14 football fields. Now, oh, wow. with like just, so it's like their Pentagon. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Try to blow this one up. You're going to hit the wrong room, idiot. That's right. Nice. Too try big. Football field. Yeah, asshole. There's 14 of them. 14. I dare you to try to figure out which one's the prime minister's office. You can't yeah, do it. How many soccer pitches? That's hey, I, here, here's, a, here's an answer for you. Who cares? Ah! <laughs> Fuck soccer. Uh, um, and speaking of protection, this place got has condoms. Ghosts. No condoms. You said. Yeah, I get it. Protection. I mean, protection. Uh, I get what Look, I get where you're going. One. You. I mean, I support the joke. Um, one ghost. <laughs> Once again, you half-heartedly support my shitty joke, but you do vocalize your support, and that's why I love you. As long as you get that support. I support you. I mean, I support you. You're my friend and all. Like, if you got... Uh, You made a good try. Yeah. Look, it's it's really about trying. You put in the effort. Always put in the effort. And I support you. I support you. Um, One ghost is called the Mantelgeisten, or Virgin of the Fortress. Virgin of Of the the Fortress? fortress. So no condoms. This is a horny ass ghost. This boy never boned. No, it's a lady. Blue balls and ghosts. It's a oh, lady right. Settle down. Feminism. <laughs> Jesus. Ladies get horny too. Never. I've never met a horny lady. That's how I know. <laughs> Melissa's confusing face. I have, I have questions, dear. It was supposed to be a joke, <laughs> but nobody went with it. Oh, You're wait, supposed wait. to yes and, Sorry, and I just wait, got wait, fucking shafted wait, I mean, here. Is, is it good? Is I, mean, joke? Is it, I support you. You support your joke. Do you? Do you really? A little bit. You support your joke. You oh. made it, you, it's important that you tried. All right. Yeah, exactly. We were just mm-hmm. remember we were just talking about that with, with Tuna. Yeah. It, trying is the best. He wasn't listening. No, he was drawing a Viking. That he, he was had not. nothing to do with him. He was not listening. I was listening. I heard all those great jokes well, about the support, was, and I'm a little hurt that you think I wasn't paying attention. He I was do, drawing a Viking. I do care about the show. I can multitask. Thank you. Sure. Very, very talented. Uh, so anyway. Most the- talented person on this show, probably. funny joke yeah. yeah real funny that's why i told it so the Mont- see i told you about, but you just admitted i was right the montel Gaston is believed to be one of C- queen marguerite's chambermaids and queen marguerite was i think queen after king hack on the fifth so the second queen to live in ocker shoes as okay. like her home um so she was one of Queen Marguerite's chambermaids who starved to death during the harsh winter of seven or sorry, thirteen seventy. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Ooh, so Jesus. this woman You think you're like living in the palace, you're one of the ones who's not gonna starve to death, you especially know? Especially this woman. She was the one who would dress the queen and make sure the queen was fed, but the queen couldn't be bothered to share that food with her. Hell no. And so she died of starvation in a cold winter in thirteen seventy. And so God olden times suck. Yeah. And so now she dons a cloak and haunts the grounds around the fortress. I bet she needs that jacket. She's cold. She's, She's definitely anemic. Yeah. And and as a consequence of starving to death, what happens is she, like my story last week, has no face. What is up with you and faceless women? I don't fucking know. I just Googled. I love faceless women. Um, but if you see her, what you'll see is a shiny surface that just looks back at you. So it's kind of like a mirror. Shiny sur- a shiny mirror? Kind of like a mirror. A mirror? You look a into mirror. the void, the void looks back. Looks back at you. Shit. 
Yeah, so she's just like doomed to wander. She doesn't really do anything. She just kind of goes back and forth in her little she cloak. She doesn't really do anything. She doesn't scream at you. She doesn't cry. She doesn't shiver. She's just good little chambermaid. She walks around with her mirror face. With her mirror face and her cloak on. Poor girl. Oh. Um, the fortress's drawbridge is also reportedly haunted by a ghost horse. Oh, oh hell yeah. The story <laughs> the story of that goes one night, a drunken Swede, as we know, remember from earlier in the story, Swedes love attacking this place. They um, do. And in this And them and their fish army. Yes. And in this particular evening, a drunken Swede tried to by himself, him and his horse tried to storm the castle on horseback in the middle of the night. Uh, needless to say, rider and horse were killed. Uh, you said that horse got wrapped up in that Swede's dumb, dumb idea. It's true. It's like you just take a shot at him or throw a sword. I mean, poor horse is going to get it. Um, so today, people do report seeing a horse galloping near the walls of the fortress. That horse still trying to store. He's like, my buddy really wanted to do this. I mean, look, he told I'm me. I'm going to keep trying. He I'm says, a horse. Hey, flurgy burgy, charge. This is my Swedish horse voice. Ain't no quitting this horse. No, he's a good, good boy. Um, but the most famous ghost is that of the Malkinison or the evil dog. Malkinison. Yeah, Malkinison. Kinison, I think. Malkinison? Malkinison. M-A-L-C-A-N-I-S-E-N. Malkinison. Sure. Sure. Or evil dog. That's what it means translated to English. Uh, who guards the fort, uh, the entrance to the fortress. It's believed that a commander, so his story is not a happy one. Um, so when the castle was being built, a commander of the armed forces ordered that a dog be buried alive within the walls of the fortress to serve as a form of protection. He had read a oh, shit. myth or a lore or something. He was like, I have read somewhere that if I take a dog and just bury it in this my my fortress will be protected. And you know I what? feel like it kind of worked because how many times was this place sieged, like besieged, I should say, and never fell? Like nobody And ever- it obviously worked if the dog is still there being a ghost. Yeah, because there's a pissed off ass dog and around there all the time. Pissed off ass like, dog. I, it's horrifying, but it's also sort of rad. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Um, however, I mean, the outcome is sort of rad, but how you get there is horrifying. Right. But yes. you know what? In the dog's defense, um, he does show up, so his his spirit protects the fortress. But also, if he gets his revenge, because if you see him, mm-hmm. he will be dead within three months. Oh, tripes. oh, okay. shit! So he kind of gets his revenge on you. Um, it is believed, like I said, if you see him, three months as army command as an army commander found out in 1550. Um, after hearing noises in a dark hallway, uh, his his name was Peter. Uh, the commander went to investigate and came face to face with a black red-eyed dog. Tight. Shit. Um, he threw <laughs> he threw his lantern at the dog. <laughs> dog didn't <laughs> give a fuck. And, and the dog chased him out of the hall. So people were outside waiting to see like what was you know what were the what was the noise, and uh-huh. they just hear this <laughs> coming down the hall, and you hear galloping behind him, but you don't see the dog, and he just like kind of burst out of the hallway, and he's like, oh my god, it's a demonic dog. Um, and one month later, Peter would be dead after being injured on his horse. Oh, so he didn't even make it the three months. Hell no, yeah. Within, but that's within three months. So the longest I think anybody's probably gone has been three months. If but, you went three months in one day, you'd be like, hot shit, I did it. I've I, done it. And then you die. And then yeah. you're going to be dead. And then um, like, you're bad at math. math. They'd have to redo the legend. Within three months and a and day, you day, will find yourself day. dead yeah. from the demon dog. Right. And that, my friends, is the story. Of the Akershus Fortress. Oh, Akershus! That's a good story. <laughs> I support that. Oh Me man, too. we're gonna take a little break. Come back. There'll be another ghosty house. Hey everyone, it's your old pal Television Scott Bakula for the Booze and Brews podcast. Hey, go to iTunes and leave a review if you feel like it. But if you don't want to do that, do this thing because it's way more important. Go to patreon.com slash booze and brews where you can see audio episodes, video episodes, and show sketches that Engineer Bob does because he's very talented. Also, guess what? Social media websites, you can come and talk to everybody on them. Hey, Instagram, what's that? Podcast. How about Facebook? That's Booze and Brews. And what about Twitter? Booze and Brews. All right, that's enough for me. Now back to the show.
Now you get three of television, Scott Bakula. Here we go, everybody. It's me. Get up, get get down. What if I did my whole story as television, Scott Bakula? a joke in your town. A get up, a get 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 down. I get, feel like get down. I feel fake nine one one. Where's email? the fake crown? <laughs> <laughs> we may get an well. Email. While there is no tie-in for television, Scott Bakula in my story. Oh, oh. damn. Well, we, we do, I'm sure, get to do other stupid accents. So there's that. I've okay. already got to do my Viking accent, so I'm feeling good about it. Yeah. Oh, you get to do another fun and stupid accent. <gasps> yes. All right. Because I am here to tell you about the haunted estate known, better known as Rowan Oak. Oh. Not Rowan Oak. I've already done that story, yeah. and sure. it's creepy as shit. This is Rowan Oak, two words. Which is a uh, grip, Greek, grip, grip, grip. It's a grip, grip. It's grip. It's a Greek revival, uh, like house that's built in Oxford, Mississippi. Good old Mississippi. Oh boy. Uh, it was built in the 1840s by a man named what I assume is Robert Shagog. Robert Shagog. Maybe Shagog. Shigag. I'm going to call him Shagog. I like Mr. Shagog. Okay, Mr. Shagog. Mr. Shagog. So basically, this is a one of those big, gorgeous, southern plantation-y kind of houses. Uh-huh. Okay. Devs built in the 1840s in Mississippi. There's definitely slave connotations oh, here. Oh, for sure. It's, um, it's not all that big or grand. It wasn't like a huge estate. Right. It's a large, nice house, but it's not like palatial by any means. Okay, okay. Um, but it does have like, you know, the beautiful front drive lined with cypress, magnolia trees, right. like everything you think of when you think of a big Mississippi house. Okay. Um, so the house itself, like I said, is is a large house, but not like grand or palatial. Um, but it is uh, contained on uh, the grounds, which includes four manicured acres directly around the house. Okay. Which I assume used to be manicured by uh, lady squirting. Yep. And um, and then outside of that is an additional 29 acres of uh, protected woodlands. Oh, okay. So it's like really gorgeous nature-y where it is. Yeah, away from everybody. Um, yeah, well, not so far away from everybody. But um, it's... Uh, those woods are called Bailey's Woods, if you care. But it's uh, it's all in Oxford, Mississippi. And the reason why this house is kind of famous, you might have heard of it before, is because even though the Mr. Robert Chagog l- built this house with his own two hands mm. and lived there with his family, it fell into disrepair. Oh. oh, no. And in the 1930s, it was purchased by one Mr. William Faulkner. Heard of him? <laughs> So then it becomes, this becomes a podcast about William Faulkner. Um, yeah, so William Faulkner bought it while he was like kind of financially stable, but not the most financially stable. And he started uh, redoing it, rehashing it. And he did a lot of the work himself because it's right after the Depression. He doesn't have a ton of money. And he was kind of handy because he grew up not all that wealthy. He, so Yeah, you needed to learn a trade. Yeah. Learn all yeah. of the trades. Yeah, handyman, so he, but also so a handyman. Knew, finger blast. Yeah, Got he there. He knew how to do shit. So he did a lot of the renovation work himself. So the fact that the house remains um, and it's a, a lot testament of the, to his ability. It really is. Yeah. And like you can see like, oh, like that shiplap. Faulkner put that up. That's good. Get cool. that man an HGTV show. No, yeah. He's, he's dead. He's super dead now. Um, his ghost could have an HGT. That, that, that oh, is maybe. A, I bet we're going to get to it. Ooh. Um, so, yeah. So now we get a little bit of... Because that's kind of the story of the house. It was this house. It was originally built in the 1840s. It fell into disrepair. Faulkner bought it. He rebuilt it. He lived there until he died. So now oh. that's kind of the whole story of the house. So now we're going to do a little background about Mr. William Faulkner. Yes. Let's learn about Faulkner. Yeah. Which I hope most of you already know who William Faulkner no. is. Nobody knows who he is. No one's no ever one heard knows. of him. They're like, Faulkner. So, who? William Faulkner. William Cuthbert Faulkner was born in northern Mississippi uh, to a basically upper middle class family, but like solidly middle class. Okay. Um, and <laughs> my notes say dad was super average, but mom was awesome. Oh. Uh, and now I will read to you. <laughs> I will read to you 
a couple sentences from his Wikipedia page, okay. okay, which I feel like will tell you everything you need to know about his childhood growing up, about his mother and his father. Oh, great, oh, great. So okay. his fa- his father's name is Murray, and his mom's Murray? name is Maud. Just for context, Murray, and Murray Maud. and Maud. Murray and Maud. That's so Murray hoped to inherit the railroad business. His dad ran a successful railroad business. Murray hoped to inherit the railroad business from his father, John Wesley Thompson Faulkner. But John had little confidence in Murray's abilities to run a business and sold it. Whoa. Oh boy. Following the sale of the railroad business, Murray proposed a plan to get a new start for his family by moving to Texas to become a rancher. Maud disagreed with this proposition, so he instead moved to Oxford, Mississippi, where Murray's father owned several businesses, making it easy for Murray to find a job. Oh. So I feel like in that, we learn who wore the pants. Yep. His dad was super average. Yep. His his dad had great ideas, and she was like, you... You don't know how to ranch, did, dear. Did, you, you, yeah. We're not going to do did that. Did his dad, like, make a bunch of these businesses go belly up through working at them at all? Like, is there oh, a yeah, string of failures did, that we just haven't heard about here? He was did Murray like, no, kill he his just, dad's but businesses? He was never, his dad was never put, he went to, like, work at a store his dad owned. Like, he never ran the store. He was he, a, like. He like was the cashier at the grocery store. He, the he didn't manage the, the grocery store. No, he was you the know, ass- he was the assistant to the manager. Assistant to the regional manager. Yes, assistant to the regional manager. Yes. So his dad aggressively mediocre, but his mom was sort of awesome. Um, but between she wasn't the two of stupid. Yeah, I, and she was like, "That's a dumb dumb idea. We're not we don't know it. how to be ranchers." Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um. So his um. And he had a very mixed upbringing because, like, his dad wanted him to, like, go outside and learn how to hunt and play a bunch of sports. But his mom was um, was incredibly smart, um, especially for a woman of her era. Yeah, of her time. And so she taught all her kids to read before she sent them to school because she was like, I don't trust these fucking schools to teach my kids some, especially like, shitty version of reading. Yeah. And in yeah. Mississippi, it was like, oh. Yeah. So, and she, like, she was a painter. She wrote poetry. Wow. She taught her kids all of this. Um, and he was also raised by, um, you know, because it's the South, he was raised uh, since infancy by an African-American nanny. Mm-hmm. So whom he had great affection for, but then he's named after his great great grandfather, who was like a Confederate war hero. Oh, so it was like it was a lot of up and down in his childhood. He got a very rounded view of things. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so he went to school. He did really well in school in the beginning, but then by like high school, he I assume he was too because he like skipped grades in elementary school. Oh, he was too smart. Mm. But then <clears throat> by high school, he was like he repeated eleventh grade like three times, and then he never graduated. Whoa! Interesting. I think he just was bored. Probably. I think he just was bored. Um, so then he was like, "All right, I'm gonna." He was like friends with this slightly older dude who like introduced him to a bunch of cool new authors and like opened his mind up a little bit. Maybe they were gay. I'm just adding that. I, I'm just adding that in because I think no, it's saucy. older man <clears throat> teaching the younger boy about the world. Yeah, they're like, uh, they're like Fingies five in, years apart or something. Fingies yeah. in buttholes. Sure. He's like, let me tell you how yeah. good this feels. So so he was in Mississippi his whole life and they made friends with this older boy and this older boy um, was like, well, I'm going back to like Yale to get my like third degree or something. <laughs> and William was like, I'll go with you and I'll just live with you at Yale. So it's the first time he ever went north, the first time he really left Mississippi. Wow. And then he got a, a view of the world outside of the south. Much different view, <clears throat> I'm sure. Yes. So then he he's not, by the way, at Yale. He's just living with his friend who yeah. goes to Yale. Yeah, he's just sleeping on the couch of the dude. Hell yeah. Yeah. Couch he's, surfing, he's baby. Couch yeah. surfing, yeah. So then he decides, um, so then it's World War One. Yes. And he decides, I need to enlist. But do I want to enlist in America? No. So he tries oh. to join the British Navy. Sure. That makes, and they won't this take be- him. Was this before we entered the war? Like he wanted to enlist before we entered the war? No, he tried to enlist in the American Armed Services and they wouldn't take oh. him. Hmm. Okay. This will be a running theme for him. You know, so Britain he does said, not take no for an answer. 
So like Britton said, no, thank you. Oh. So then he wrote a bunch of fake documentation, including fake letters of recommendation, and went to Canada oh, okay. and joined the Canadian RAF. And they were like, yeah, okay. They nice. were like, okay. So then he's serving. He goes to Toronto to do his service. Um, and he's so he's in the Air Force. He's in the Royal Air Force. And... He is writing all these letters back home and telling all his friends and stuff that he's like doing cockpit training and he's like going overseas and like fighting in the war, like seeing action and stuff. He never did any of that. He never left Toronto. He he lied to get in. And then he lied while he was there. He was just he was creative writer. He was craft stories. No, no. This yes. Is, this is all foreshadowing. Yeah, He's look. crafting yes. stories. So he, he did serve in Toronto. He did literally never leave Toronto. He never saw action. He never even got into cockpit training. He, like, did... I assume like paper clerical pushing? work for oh. the Air Force. He made and paper even, airplanes yeah. out of it. And then, but he's like sending <laughs> letters home. What if they like this? But he's like sending letters home being like, I'm fighting for Canada the war. Oh my. So, and, then, wow. and then throughout his life, he would like limp and fake an injury Stop. and be like, it's a war injury from World War One. He this dude's incredible. Such an imagination where he was like yeah. an actor and a writer. Yeah. He, he was so dissatisfied with his own life, he made up his own narrative and was like, this yes. is my life. And speaking of making up his own narrative, so at this point, by the way, his name, um, if William Faulkner is obviously a, a very famous writer. I'm sure you've seen his name before. It's F-A-U-L-K-E-R. Yeah. No, his family name does not have the U. But at some point while he was living in Canada, the U got added. Because and he made U's. So he made up this story about how a typesetter put it in, and he was like, "Man, it makes no difference to me." I was like, "You added that you to seem fancy, yes. and then you made up a story about yes. how someone else did it." Oh, guaranteed. He was like, "Oh, I like how you know when they have labor, they add the you." Faulkner. Himself to be fancy. Totally, he wanted to seem more British or Canadian. And then he kept it, like he kept it professionally. He changed his name personally to it. Like his children were, his yeah. child was named Faulkner with the U. Like he changed the family name. He committed to his story. <laughs> he yeah. really did. Yeah. He like he committed to that fake war wound. He com- man, he get this man an Oscar. Look, yeah. people, if this story teaches you nothing, it should teach you that to always go full ass, never half ass yeah. anything. True. And like just just to like we're I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm a big Faulkner fan. I liked him. I read him a lot in college. Uh, I think he lived a cool life. I understand that a man from his place in the world, from his generation, is bound to be problematic things. Yes. Uh, he had some not great ideas about desegregation and stuff. Oh boy. It's not great. But I don't think he was a complete garbage person. Okay. I don't think it's possible that he was. I also didn't go looking for that on the internet. So you also can't expect people from older times to think that we the ways that we think today. We because again, yes. as we've said on this show and previously, people from older times were fucking idiots. Yeah. Yes. Right. And like, he wasn't anti desegregation. He just had thoughts about it that, like, to a modern eye, is like yeah. dumb. dumb. He just had stupid old timey thoughts. You yes, don't. So you don't cure cancer a, with leeches. Yeah, you know? as a as a upper middle class white man from Mississippi, he had I Ideas. think some progressive yeah. views about the South, yeah. but on modern day lens, they don't yeah. hold up. Human sacrifice doesn't lead to better rainfall. You know, yeah. some people no, think just, that desegregation. I'm just putting is it weird. out there. Like, I think he's cool. So the context of my story is what this cool life he had. Uh-huh. I understand he's problematic. Yeah. yeah, I'm just putting that out there. Okay, so he's in Canada. He's pretending to be in war. He's baking up war wounds. He's changing his last name. So metal. Um, yeah, so then the life. war ends, um, and he comes back, and he gets into the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, which but is in no high school education? So it's his. He literally did not graduate high school. I don't know how. I don't know how he gets in. He lied. Time. He had he a lied lot of really good extracurriculars. He'd been I'm in the Air Force. Or he, fucking, <laughs> or he fucking lied. He didn't do well in school. Like, he failed almost all of his English classes. But he, like, got a bunch of poetry published in the school's newspaper. Because at this point in his career, he's mostly writing poetry. Okay. Which is actually pretty sweet because, like, his mom wrote poetry. Aww. He's an incredible storyteller. So, like, that's definitely boy. where he got it from. Yeah. So then um, he's, you know, doing kind of shitty at university. But, like, living a fun university life. And then. In 1925, 
he goes to New Orleans. Oh. He moves to New Orleans and he basically becomes a whole new person. Oh. He like learns so many things about the world and about people. He starts writing longer fiction as opposed to poetry. Although at this point, his stuff is like not getting published very often. And the shit that does get published is basically just like Hemingway and Fitzgerald fanfic. Uh-huh. It's like it literally... It, it sounds Twilight exactly like them. Yeah, he's writing Twilight. Yeah. Okay. Um, And it's getting mixed reviews, but he's like getting a little bit of attention, getting some money, getting some work. Yeah. Um, but then by 1927, he sort of found his voice. So that was when he created, oh, I'm going to fucking butcher this. It's what, it's like you nap to Capua County, sure. which is where all of his, so he started writing about the South. He invented this fake county in the south which mm-hmm. is basically the county he grew up in but he gives it some fake name that's not it's not a fake name it's a native american name i do believe okay, okay. but it's long and i can't pronounce it but so he starts writing about the south he starts writing what he actually knows um a little bit subversively like he writes about like you know people who with a southern drawl and no one takes very seriously but they're actually the smartest one in the whole goddamn book uh, you know yeah mm-hmm. which is he's, false he's, which is always false let's be real he did a little bit of that. Um, and that was when he wrote The Sound and the Fury, which is like one of his biggest, most well-known books. Mm-hmm. And it's real good. Um, and then, um, so cute. So in 1929, he married his high school sweetheart, whose name is Estelle Oldman. Aww, and Estelle. here's what's so Estelle cute about that. Estelle the old man. Estelle what's Estelle the old man. So he dated her through high school, but she was they were like courting very chastely. Yes. And she was also being courted by like two other gentlemen. And she was everyone, also an old man. <laughs> she, but everyone knew that Estelle liked him best. Okay. Um, but this other boy from a slightly better off family who knew her family better just proposed first. Aww. And her family was like, yes. okay, well, he asked, do you have to marry him? But she was like, but I want to marry William. And they were like, no, you have to marry him. He asked, and he's from a slightly better family, <sighs> so he wins. Yeah. And and William Faulkner's like, well, God damn it, fuck. So they're married for like 10, 15 years. Then it's not a love match. They get divorced. He waited for her. Aww, and then as soon you? as she was free, he married her. He uh, like took in her two children, raised them as if they were his own. Aww. Oh. He's, like, again, I think he's kind of a cool guy. Um, And then they um had two, they had a, a daughter together named Jill. And they also took in, um, one of his siblings' children, they had a little girl and no one could take care of her. So he kind of like adopted and took care of his oh, niece wow. as well. Wow. Raised her as his own. He had a house full of women. Woo! Yeah, he really did. Um, so it's 1929. It's He's making some money, but not a lot. The depression has happened. Yeah. He's, he's in a little bit of trouble and he buys Roanoke. Which is this old dilapidated farmhousey house. Yeah. Um, he house. starts to redo it himself. Um, he leaves his family there while he like tries to get work other places and stuff. He's really trying to support his family on an author salary, mm-hmm. which he's having a trouble doing. He's writing short stories that are getting published in the newspaper. Um, this is. Uh, e- some of which are very good, mm-hmm. um, but he was just churning them out for money, right. you know? Yeah. So then he says, well, you know where I can make some fucking money? Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At so that moves, point, man. Yeah. So in 1932, he gets a deal from MGM. He moves out there. He writes a bunch of movies. None of them do all that great. His work can't really be adapted into film. It's much more a literary style. So right. Sure. It doesn't super work, but he works out there for a long time. He makes a bunch of money. Um, and then in 1942, World War II, he tried again to join the Air Force. Jesus. America again said, said no, no, thank, thank you. you. Um, so he ended up joining the Civil Defense Union instead. So he's just trying to do his part for the war yeah. effort. Um, in 1949, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Hooray. Nice. He's the only Nobel laureate ever from Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> only one ever. Number interesting. one. Yeah, interesting. Um, in 55 and 62, he won Pulitzers. Um, he won, like, Book Journal Award. He won a bunch of awards. He, he started to become a very well-known author. He got very famous for his work. Good job, He Billy. still lived in this house that he was restoring himself. Aw, Billy. Um, and Is then there anything in, he can't do? Yeah, no. Well, he can't ride a horse well because in 1962 he fell off a horse. Oh. <laughs> oh, master the segue over here. What's up? 
Uh, and he got a thrombosis from falling off the horse, Ooh. and then that caused him to two weeks later die of a heart attack. Ooh, yeah, that's not real a bad. doctor. I don't super understand it. But he died because he fell off a horse two weeks ago. That sucks. So he dies in 1962 at 64 years old. Mm. Um, he leaves his family. His family continues to live in this house until um, his wife Estelle passes away, and the house passes to his daughter Jill. And then in 1972, Jill sells the house to the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's literally right next door to where the house is. Oh, okay. It's just through those woods. It's Hell yeah. now a frat house. I was going to say, and it's now the frat house for Delta, Delta, Delta Pi Gamma. And these motherfuckers are beer pong champions. Yeah. Oh, man. And mm-hmm. Faulkner's just showing up being like, that is not courteous. <laughs> Excuse me. But so the university took the house, took it back to the state that it was in in 1962, which is the last time Faulkner lived there. It's now a museum to Faulkner. Like his Nobel Prize is at this house. Oh, okay. Um, like his family donated a bunch of stuff so that it, it's basically a Faulkner museum now. Okay. Um, and it, the school has a large affinity for him because he grew up in the same town the school is in. He also worked at the school. Like he worked in like the power plant of the school while sure. he wrote... As sure. I lay dying, like he sure. w- he was writing the book while working there, and then later when he couldn't get another job, he worked as the postmaster for the school. <laughs> I love it. You know Isn't what? Isn't that cute? He was like, I need to. I have my dream. I'm gonna get it, but I'm I'm not gonna screw my my family over. Yeah. Um. So like I said, it's basically now just a museum to Faulkner, and there is a walking path that connects that house to the school's actual museum mm. that mm. goes through those woods. So it's okay. it's it's just a legacy thing for him within the university. A fun um, museum with a tunnel. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it. Um, it was designated a National Historical Landmark in 1968. Okay. So that was before the university even took it over. Mm. And um, like a bunch of famouses love it and give money to it or whatever. It most recently got this full facelift to like try and take it back like redo some renos that had been done earlier and really take it back to 62 and it was all paid for by John Grisham nice <laughs> I was gonna say Dolly Parton she no, does everything because John Grisham went to Ole Miss oh I didn't know <laughs> well, that that's why he paid for it but I was Makes like that's sense. fucking funny John Grisham good job John good you job. think you're gonna you think you're on the level of William Faulkner good job there buddy <laughs> no he is shut up you don't know John Grisham but- but what's interesting about this reno is that um, while they were doing the renovation, they had a lot of interest in pulling down this wallpaper that had been put up in Faulkner's office. Okay. And they want to pull down this wallpaper because they thought there might be something behind it. So they pull this wallpaper down and they find Blood. written in oh. like oil pen on the all, along the walls is him plotting out the plot to a fable, which is like... The book he won a bunch of awards for okay. later in his career. But it's literally him like outlining the plot and the plot twist of the book on the wall that he himself then wallpapered over because he didn't know how to like fix the wall. You could just get yeah. a pet notebook, in a, in, a, in a day before whiteboards, how was a man supposed to write on a wall? Just yeah. write on a notebook. It, nobody had expo pens in older no times. Paper? Yeah. No, but it's cool. So now they have this. So they have all his notes and his handwriting and stuff. And that's pretty cool. Um, And in addition to this really cool thing where he's plotted out the thing on the wall. When they they pulled down the wallpaper, out came a thousand screaming ghosts. (laughs) Also have some ghosts. I love it. (laughs) So the most well-known ghost story of this house is is, uh, not a Faulkner ghost, but a ghost of Mr. Chagog. Oh, Chagog. Uh. Yes, yeah, so it's a Chagog ghost. So it's the ghost of his supposedly youngest daughter named Judith. Mm-hmm. Judith Shagost. Judith Shagost. Yes. Um, and the story of Judith is tragic in oh. that her father is building this house. And oh. he's built this house. She's the youngest. She's the baby of the family. Yes. And she has the misfortune of falling in love with a Union soldier. Oh, oh no. no. And she loves him and her hot pants for him. And her daddy says, no, yeah. Judith, you shall not marry that dirty Yankee rebel. This Yankee is not welcome in my house. And poor Judith is just beside herself with grief and she throws herself off the balcony and she dies. Oh, Joey. And then Papa Chagog is so upset about it that he takes her body out to the Magnolia Line front porch and he plants, he buries her body under one of the Magnolia trees so he can think about it every time he looks at the tree. 
Oh, daddy. So the ghost story is that Judith is still there. And sometimes at nighttime, you can hear her running and screaming up the stairs and then over the side of the balcony, and then she disappears into the mist. Oh, I thought that would be, and then she plop. And then then you hear plop. Running and screaming, going, I'm so horny for Union Dig. I I need that Yankee Dig. She gives Daddy Yankee a whole new meeting. Yeah. Daddy. Gasolina. <laughs> so then, I, I love my joke. I, I was like, I appreciate your I'm joke. so lame, I super don't get it. I what? super duper don't get the joke. <laughs> so, you know that song I was just singing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, by yeah. Daddy Yankee. Oh. And yeah. That is the name of a musical artist. Great. And then she, okay. Yeah. We're yeah. there now. Fuck yeah. yeah. She's like, I okay. want that. Yeah, fuck you yeah. Got so, you got it. Peep. People also see the ghost of Judith underneath this one specific magnolia tree that's the start of the like tree lined drive. Mm-hmm. So she's like the most famous ghost to hang out in the Roanoke house. Here's the funny thing about fucking Judith. She's not real. Oh, what? So the 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 Mr. Shergog did have 10 children. None of them are named Judith. Oh. And like the last three are all boys. So the youngest, definitely not a girl named Judith. And they've done like, they've done like the radar thing. There's no body under that fucking tree. What if, what but, if one of the sons went by Judith? No. Maybe. No. This is a ghost that took after Mr. Faulkner himself and made up her own goddamn ghost story in yeah. order to be accepted by the magnolia trees on the property. It, you're very close because this is actually a ghost story made up by Mr. Faulkner himself oh! that he used to tell his kids in the house. He used to say the house was haunted by the ghost of Judith and oh he made God. up this whole story for her. Oh and God. it sort of became lore that the whole town is like, oh, yeah, the ghost of Judith, the ghost of Judith. But Faulkner just made it up. And we didn't really know this until later when that niece that he took in, mm-hmm. um, she published a book of these three ghost stories that Faulkner used to tell all the kids. They, Aww. By the way, all the kids called him Pappy. Pappy! Pappy Faulkner! Pappy Faulkner! Um, so there's these three ghost stories. There's the story of Judith. There's apparently a story about how in those wolves, in those woods, there are whorewolves. <gasps> whorewolves? Nice. And how, and how in the nearby cemetery in Oxford's proper, there is... A ghost hound. Ooh. Nice. So these are these three ghost stories that were like the favorites to be told in this house. That one has sort of become lore, taken on a life of itself, and people see Judith now. Wow. They willed um, her into is, existence. They did. Yes. She was the like, way that Faulkner willed many things into existence. He willed that limp into existence. He yeah. willed that RAF career. Yeah. I like it. The one thing he did actually will into existence as well is his own fucking ghost. So here's how we know the ghost of Faulkner is real. Um, Because there's lots of different versions of... So Faulkner, he hangs out mostly in his house, mostly in the office. He also sometimes hangs out in the woods because the the college kids used to come get drunk in those woods and he used to creep up on them and scare them in the middle of the night. And so now if you walk through those woods at night, sometimes you'll hear someone whispering in your ear being like, you up to trouble in the woods? No. And so, like, the ghost of Faulkner is still scaring kids out of these woods. Oh, my God. You in boys out here doing bear bones. You boys out here having a good old time. May I join you? I'm a spectral drinker. Yep. <laughs> um, Y'all boys but... gonna light that spliff or what? <laughs> <laughs> hit it. Hit puff, puff, pass. Puff, puff, pass. You know the rules, boys. <laughs> Um, but what I thought was the coolest ghost story was that the uh, the ghost was most often, like I said, seen in his office. And while he's in his office, he's sitting at his desk. He's writing his typewriter. He's often like looking for something in his desk. No one's okay. quite sure what he's looking for. And his ghost will then often stand up abruptly from his desk, walk over to the wall and start writing, uh. which is why they paid particular attention during that renovation to pull that wallpaper down very carefully. Huh. And they found those fucking notes on the wall. Wow. The ghost was like doing something on that wall. And they were like, we should look at that wall. And yeah. then there were actually fucking notes on that wall. 
Oh. I wonder, I, I actually wonder now if like that was just a thing he did and like maybe they painted over them and like who knows how many layers of his notes are potentially underneath that. Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I wonder. I wonder. I mean, he didn't write because he was in Hollywood for so long. He didn't write in that house for more than like maybe 20 years. Mm-hmm. 20 years um, worth of notes, a lot of notes. A lot of shit. Yes, exactly. And it's not, the, the crazy thing is, it's not like he wrote other places in the house. It's not like, oh, his notes are all over the walls. It's just this one fucking place wow. that is Ghost used to walk over to and start writing on the wall. That's tight. And that's why they like pulled it down and they found it. I, that's just such a cool fucking story to me. Yeah. I was like, okay, so Judith may be a fake ghost, but I think Faulkner's fucking real. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Faulkner, like I said, he died. Um, I don't think in the house, I think in a hospital, but he died close by the house. He's m- buried in the Oxford Cemetery, which is very close nearby. You can go visit the house. You can go visit his grave. And if you do go visit his grave, his family says that the best way to sort of pay your respects to him is to leave him a shot of whiskey oh, because that's nice. what Faulkner would have wanted. Nice. There's a thirsty boy. Hey yeah, man, whiskey, and that's the story of the Rowan Oak House. I love it. And the ghost of William Faulkner, probably good time guy. I like it. I like it. You know what else I like? This beer. This beer is delicious. Uh, as mentioned, it is the uh, Black House Vanilla Latte Edition. Hell yeah. from Vanilla Latte. So it is like I mentioned, oatmeal coffee or an oatmeal stout with coffee and vanilla. It's We've reviewed this be- this beer on yes, the show this before. Sh- this beer before. Modern yes. Times, very good. Black House, one of my favorite from them. Now imagine that you've added just a delightful hint of vanilla to this already delicious beer. It's phenomenal. It's yeah. it, it, does, it's really delicious. Does the um the latteness, the milkiness of it, make it any lighter or no. or creamier, or is it just the vanilla in the stoutiness? Yeah, I'm not sure if it might even be a little bit heavier than it normally is. Yeah, it's hard to tell because if it's like side by side, but but it's, it's definitely it's, creamy. It's creamy. It's smooth. It's so smooth. Got that nice. Good it's got vanilla, a nice hint of good vanilla. Coffee. It's the delicious. Balance is amazing. The it's absolutely smell. delicious. It comes in the tallest can I've ever seen. Yeah. It is a pretty big can. It's also like a gorgeous latte color. It's so dark. Yeah. You, you could, oh, God. Yeah, it, it's it's so dark. Like, you can see through it if you hold it up to the light, but that's the only way you can see through it. It's delicious. I yeah. love it. 33 SRMs. SRMs, oh. yeah. And what's the ABV on that mofo? Uh, it is only 5.8. I a, oh, a, a wow. T- I think that's a touch heavier than, uh, than normal... Uh, Black House. I think it's like five five normally, mm. but uh, uh, I don't know. This it's, can it's is one point three point two ounces. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. It's Good absolutely know. delicious. And you guys highly recommend. Highly I'm recommend. Fans of stouts and highly recommend. Yeah, I, I always I always recommend Black House, but this one is uh, is a touch above. It's super good. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, this is the part of the show where your old pal Bob gets to pick a winner. Hey, do it. Guess what I love. What? What do you love? Evil dog ghosts. That he shit's rad. Yep. You know what I love? Old Miss Frat Pouses and these motherfuckers out here doing beer bongs and smoking spliffs with ghosts. Yep. You know what I love? Vikings in ocker shoes. That shit rules. That's true. That's you know what I love? Ghosts. I-, I love a man who can self-actualize both his careers <laughs> but also his own spectral entity. But if there's one thing you I love more than anything, there's one thing I love more than anything. It's bird murder. Melissa wins. For bird murder. For bird murder. I really for thought you were going to win for the Viking ocker shoes tie-in. I thought for sure. I was like, ooh, Professor Ocker shoes. No, bird murder. Bird murder. All bird right. murder. Birder. Birder. Bird murder. That's fine. Hell That's fine. yeah. Bird mirror mirror. Mirror Anyway. Mirror mirror Thank you all so much for joining <laughs> us this week. Thank Thanks you. for listening, guys. Come back next week. Yes. There'll be more booze. And there will be more brews. <laughs> and until then. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, clinky. Mirror mirror mirror.